Hey guys, welcome or welcome back to You Learn Something New Every Day with Chloe Vetter. I am your host. My name is Chloe. What's up? It's been two weeks. I missed you guys. I actually missed that a lot. I felt kind of guilty for not uploading on Friday. And I had a few people, you know, ask me where the podcast was. But I needed to re-record this episode and just take a little bit more time to plan out what I wanted to say. Because I'd rather upload something that I'm proud of than upload just to upload on my normal schedule. You know what I mean? So we have a schedule, but we will adapt and be versatile when needed. Right? Right. All right. I'm excited for today's episode. Today is our final part to the series I have been doing on the book The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. I've done an episode for each chapter and I kind of, you know, analyze, like I I read the whole book a while ago, but I reread each chapter each time I'd like plan out the episodes and, you know, I'd find some quotes and I'd just kind of analyze it in my own terms and I just kind of explain how it resonates with me so that's what I'm gonna do for this chapter as well but if you guys haven't heard any of the previous ones be sure to check them out um they're all scattered around you know it's not like I just uploaded them like nine weeks in a row straight it was like I sprinkled in some other ones so it's been like uh, what a few months now that I've been on this series and I'm sad because I really liked it this book is really amazing. You guys should really, really go pick it up if you haven't already. Um, Before we do dive into the main, you know, section of today, we're gonna start off with what I learned today. So if you're new here, I always like to start off each episode sharing just one thing that I learned that day, because the title of this podcast is, you know, you learn something new every day with Chloe Vetter. And as cliche it's As cliche as that saying is, it's very true that you do learn something new every day. And if you don't think you do, then you're probably not being very mindful in your days. You're probably just kind of on autopilot. You're not really present. You're just kind of going through the motions and you are fully based off of... You're living based off of what your subconscious is telling you and that's why you know like you some people hear a lot about how you know we need to change our sub some whoa subconscious minds to you know change our conscious mind and it's because we really like your subconscious is exactly what it what the word is subconscious like you're not thinking about it it's your second nature it's natural for you so if you're thinking you know, like, not positive thoughts, and you're doing, like, not the best things, and you're just not really thinking about it, you're not gonna, you're just not gonna be very present, you're not gonna be there for your own life, you're there, but, like, you're not there, like, the lights are on, but nobody's home, you know what I mean, so, try to, you know, implement being mindful in your days more and more, and just see what happens, and, let me know what you come to find because it makes all the difference. So I learned today, this morning, it's, I'm looking outside right now. It's very beautiful out. 
the sky's blue, you know, there's like a nice little breeze going. And this morning, I taught this morning at 7.30. I, I teach spin, by the way. I woke up and it was pouring. And it was so gross and like just cold and rainy outside. And the county that I live in, there the school system like canceled school for today because people I mean my roads aren't that bad where I'm at and like I drove to work and I was okay but like apparently some areas flood really 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 bad and I mean I knew that but I wasn't expecting them to like cancel school I was I was thinking maybe at least a delay but I don't know I just for the county for the school system that I am specifically referring to where I live this is just very shocking so that's what I learned today see it doesn't even have to be that big of a thing it doesn't have to be the most relevant or mundane thing like I'm not even in school it doesn't really affect me in that way but but it does affect me at the same time because for example this morning my 7:30 class this one girl or woman I I need to stop calling people that are adults girls because it's because I think it's because I still see myself as young and I see everybody as a child low-key we're all just children honestly that's a whole other episode I'm getting ahead of myself what was I saying oh yeah so this one client this woman she's a regular she comes in a lot we love her she is a teacher and so she was able to come to my class this morning and so I was able to have you know an extra person in class that I wouldn't have had if you know they had school um because she usually can't make that time like she'd have to be at work by the time class was starting but yeah that's what I learned and I'm excited for this episode so I just want to get right into it all right so part nine episode nine chapter nine of the subtle art of not giving a fuck by Mark Manson And this is a counterintuitive approach to living a good life. So, this is chapter 9, and the title of this chapter is, well, there's like an ellipsis, like it's dot dot dot, and then you die. So positive, right? So happy and just uplifting. It actually could be, and we'll get to why that could be interpreted as that. So... Let's talk about the big, the big first word that we heard there, death, right? On page 187, Manson wrote, why do you care that I'm dead when you're so afraid to live? This quote was pulled from this chapter, and in the beginning of the chapter, Manson explained how, I believe he said he was 19, him and his friend, they went to some you know, like, outdoor party, and there was a cliff that they would jump off of that was really fun, like, by the water, you know, and they were, you know, at a party, they are drinking, and Manson was, you know, explaining this story in the beginning of the chapter, and he had went inside with this one girl to, like, go, like, get a refill or whatever, And by the time that they came back outside, everyone was, like, rushing towards the edge of the cliff edge and, like, you know, like, just something seemed wrong. Like, people were panicking, people were running, like, they didn't know what's going on. 
Long story short, his friend had unfortunately drowned. Uh, he jumped off the cliff and didn't come back up. And he was explaining how at this point it was dark, so it took them hours to, you know, get his body. And apparently the autopsy revealed that his leg had cramped up from the amount of alcohol that was in his system mixed with the impact from the jump. So, I know that's like a lot. I remember reading the book the first time and I was like, wow. Like, and you know, Manson was writing about how like he was just there. Like he was just talking to him. Like he was just, like that was like his one of his best friends. And... You know, it naturally, it sent Manson into this, you know, spiral of depression. And he said he already suffered with it a little bit, but, like, this was just different. And, you know, he was always thinking about death and loss and, you know, grieving and all that stuff. You know, what a lot of us go through when something that awful happens in our lives. And then the quote that I just read to you guys... I'll read it again. Why do you care that I'm dead when you're so afraid to live? That is what his friend said to him in his dream one night. Like, after his friend had died, it was like a few months later, he had a dream. His friend was in the dream, the one that passed away, and asked him that. Like, why, why, do, you, why do you care that I'm dead so much? Like, if you're so afraid to live your life, you know, like all your... You guys can probably hear my dog in the background. Daisy, chill out. She's like rolling around and sneezing. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. So he was just kind of saying like you are spending all this time like dwelling on, you know, my death. And like you're not even you're going to die too. Like why are you why are you spending all this time with your life? Like you saw how precious and short it is shouldn't you be out, you know, doing something? And that's just kind of how he opens up the chapter. So, so what I got from all this is, and what, you know, Manson was kind of trying to explain was, if, so if someone says, you know, like, there's no point to this, we're all going to die anyway. If there is no reason to do anything, no reason at all, This means there's also no reason to not do anything at all, right? If there's no reason to do something, there's also no reason to not do something. You know what I mean? Like, it goes both ways. So he's basically just saying, like, we shouldn't give in to the fear of embarrassment or, you know, whatever your fear is, because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If we avoid that discomfort, if we avoid the embarrassment and, you know, the sufferings, if we avoid getting uncomfortable, we avoid living at all. We we avoid life because, I mean, obviously I don't know what the whole purpose to life is. I don't think anybody does, but, you know, we can all kind of, as a collective, gather bits and pieces of ideas and theories and you know evidence and just you know come together and kind of come to our own conclusions but for me I think that with 
being on this planet and, you know, being alive. I was just talking to my friend the other day about this, actually. And I feel like the purpose to all this, like, with, you know, life, if you're avoiding the discomfort, like, I think life is about growing and loving and helping others evolve you know after yourself like uh, helping yourself evolve and others now to grow and evolve and you know change and all that you have to get uncomfortable you have to be unsure we can't be in control we can't plan out our lives to a t because that's just not how things work we're supposed to not know we're supposed to be unsure we're supposed to be uncomfortable so that we can be driven to make a change so that we can grow so that we can learn so that we can help other people but if we're all just comfortable if we're all just fine with where we're at and you know how everything is what's going to make us keep striving for you know change and growth and all that you know like it's kind of I don't know I'm I'm getting way ahead of myself but it's it's an interesting thing to think about so long story short what I'm trying to tie it all back to is his friend was saying like if you're just avoiding all this discomfort if you're just dwelling on this you're avoiding your life like you're 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 not living you're not fully getting the experience you're supposed to experience On page 189, Manson wrote, And perhaps the worst moment of my life was also the most transformational. And I've said this in my spin classes before, and I've definitely said it on this podcast before, and it's something I very strongly stand by. Because, I mean, just from personal experience, like, I relate to that. Some of the most uncomfortable, painful, embarrassing, you know, exhausting, depressing, anxious moments of my life, some of the most difficult times, the most difficult situations I've been in have been the most transforming. I've grown from them. I've learned from them. And it sucks in the moment. And we don't remember to, like, you know, think about how good it can help us in the future, like, you know, longer, like, long-term and, like, later on down the road. And even if we do remember that that's kind of how things work in life, our brain is very quick to be able to flip on itself and get real negative real fast. That's kind of where that subconscious thing comes from, you know? Like, if you're conditioned to always have that type of negative reaction, it's gonna be easier said than done to you know stay positive or you know not let those thoughts control you like this that type of stuff takes a lot of practice but anyway the death us all dying takes away meaning from things because you know like I was saying earlier like if we're all just gonna die There's no reason to do anything. Like, what's the point? Death takes away that meaning, yet it also gives us meaning. 
at the same time. Us being here is like, all right, yeah, we're going to die. Might as well just, you know, enjoy our time because it's limited because we know it's temporary. So what are you going to do with your temporary time? Because it's not going to last forever and we don't get, you know, we don't really get second chances. That's not how things work. On page 189 again, Manson wrote, Yet in a bizarre way... No, my better. I already messed up the quote. Let me restart that. Page 189, Manson wrote, Yet in a bizarre, backwards way, death is the light by which the shadow of all life's meaning is measured. Without death, everything would feel inconsequential, all experience arbitrary, all metrics and values suddenly zero. And I think that doesn't even need further explanation. It It is the only thing that we know. The only thing that's for certain is, you know, that it's going to all end. Right? We're all going to not exist one day. And it's scary, and, you know, again, it kind of takes things, it kind of takes meaning away in some ways, but it also is what, that that's how we give meaning to anything. The fact that it's temporary, right? So this all kind of, like, ties into the idea of being part of something bigger than yourself. You know, a lot of people strive for this this feeling now in this chapter manson brought up the full the whoa philosopher ernest becker and he brought up his philosophical claims on page 100 and uh 89 okay sorry guys i spilt coffee on my desk the other day and so my notebook's a little messed up so that's why I keep like stuttering I promise I know how to read but a lot of my things are kind of blotched out anyway page 189 denial of death wait a second I'm so sorry you guys okay wait no this isn't a quote this is just his philosophical claims slash his book that this this guy Ernest Becker wrote so he wrote this book denial of death and it makes two points the first point is that humans are unique in that we can conceptualize and think of ourselves in hypothetical situations right we can contemplate the past the present the future we can imagine alternate realities we can you know we can, you know, imagine situations that don't actually exist except for just in our mind. We're able to think about how thinking about death underlies everything we do. Basically is what I'm trying to say. On page 189, Manson wrote, and it's because of this unique mental ability, Becker says, that we all at some point become aware of the inevitability of our own death. So, the point with this denial of death, 
he's saying we have the ability to think of ourselves in all these hypothetical situations we're able to imagine a life without ourselves in it and that's what makes us so aware of death and because of this awareness it can either make or break us you know on this same book he was saying how like we can be we can imagine a reality without ourselves in it and so with point number two of this book denial of death the second point he makes is the idea of having two quote-unquote selves so the first self that we have is our physical self right it's our vessel it's our home the second self is our conceptual self it's our identity our ego our spirit you know on page 192 manson wrote becker's argument is this we are all aware on some level that our physical self will eventually die and that this death is inevitable and that its inevitability on some unconscious level scares the shit out of us therefore in order to compensate for our fear of the inevitable loss of our physical self we try to construct a conceptual self that will live forever so that conceptual self unlike the physical self it can live for a long time forever is a long long time but like i'm just gonna say it can live a long time it can live past our our physical selves right our conceptual selves can live longer than our physical self this is why people work on you know building their legacy you know they want their name to be remembered this is why people put their names on buildings and you know statues and just put their names on things and they try to pass on teachings to children and traditions you know they try to this is why people you know go to church and you know it's why religion's a thing it's why politics are a thing it's why sports art technology innovation family tradition family business etc all of this results from that fear of the inevitable loss of our physical self so like i said we that's we try to construct a conceptual self that's gonna live forever right we try to become part of something that's bigger than ourselves our immortality projects allow our conceptual self to live on past this physical self on page 192 manson wrote all the meaning in our life is shaped by this innate dot whoa this innate desire to never truly die i'll read that one more time all the meaning in our life is shaped by this innate desire to never truly die and i wonder why this is i think it has to do with you know our ego being so protective of ourselves when our projects fail us when our our like immortality projects for lack of a better term when these fail us we get all sad we get all anxious right 
These projects are our values. That's why we get sad and anxious when they fail. That's what we value. That's what we're fighting for. That's what we're working towards. We give value to it. You know, there are metrics for life. And when they fail, we feel as if we failed. We feel as if our conceptual self is no longer there. It's no longer alive. It's no longer gonna stay alive, you know? Like, it's... It's like the it's like ego death, you know? So, with these values, if we... If they fail, if our values fail us, we feel as if we fail. So this is why we give value to such bullshit, because it kind of distracts us. Because... Some things we can give value to that, you know, we're able to, I don't know, like, just make ourselves feel more comfortable in. Which, you know, like I said, discomfort is key to, I mean, everything. But on page 194, Mansa wrote, People's immortality projects were actually the problem, not the solution. That rather than attempting to implement often through lethal force, their conceptual self across the world, people should question their conceptual self and become more comfortable with the reality of their own death. And this was Becker's uh, realization on his own deathbed. So basically, he was saying, like, these are mortality projects, like, our values that we're holding, these, you know wishing for our conceptual self to live forever that that whole idea is the problem not the solution to things which is what we treat it as and he was just saying like instead of trying to you know force something that something being our conceptual self you know whether it's across the world or wherever like Instead of doing that, people should just be questioning their conceptual self and just become more comfortable with the inevitability, which is that we're going to die. We must accept and come to terms with our inevitable death because once we do, we can choose our values more freely, right? Our own death will be avoided and it's the root of all underlying anxiety and terror that's motivating our ambitions in life. Basically, we're acting out of fear all the time. Especially when we're caught up in these immortality projects. We're essentially restrained by an illogical quest for immortality. Like we're we're being we're being distracted. On fighting something that is bound to happen. Confronting the reality of our own mortality is going to free us up from all the superficial values that we have. Manson wrote about Mark Twain, who I'm sure you guys have at least heard his name. On page 198, he said, The fear of death follows from the fear of life. A man who fully is prepared to die... No, my bad. A, a man who lives fully is prepared to die at any time. 
And that's what I was saying, like, right at the beginning of the episode, how, you know, Manson's friend said that to him in his dream. You know, like, why are you so afraid to, like, die if you're not even living your life or, you know, something along those lines. So I mentioned the word legacy earlier. That's kind of like your, you know, immortality project. We avoid that question, what is your legacy? Because it's hard and it's scary and we don't know what we're doing at all. None of us do, okay? Just remember that. None of us know what's going on. Yet, it's the only important question. It's scary, and it's hard, and it's uncomfortable, but it's because it helps us grow. It's because it is extremely important and valuable. When we are entitled, and we I've definitely talked about this topic, you know, in this series many times. He mentioned it, he mentions it in the book a lot. Entitlement is going to isolate us and strip us from the sense of being part of something greater than ourselves and more unknowable than oneself. Death is the only certainty that we know. On page 200, Manson wrote, the only way to be comfortable with death is to understand and see yourself as something bigger than yourself. To choose values that stretch beyond serving yourself, that are simple and immediate and controllable and tolerable of the chaotic world around you. This is the basic root of all happiness. So again, this feeling is why people go to church. This feeling is why people raise families. This feeling is why people fight in wars. This feeling is why people try to become part of something bigger than themselves. And entitlement strips us of this. It makes us believe that we are the center of our sufferings, that we are special and our problems are special and we should get special attention for it. We need this sense of being part of something greater than ourselves. Otherwise, that entitlement is going to seep right on in. And let me tell you, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. I've met quite a few, my neighborhood, my school, trust me, I've met quite a few entitled people. Manson wrote that entitlement was spiritual poison. And I like that. Because it is. It isolates us, and it causes our projections onto other people to be biased. Today's culture confuses attention and great success to be the same, and it's not. Being great and being successful and all that, that's not the same as getting a bunch of attention from people and getting a bunch of followers or whatever the heck. You're already great for just existing. You're already successful for just being alive, not because someone else noticed, not because someone else said so, not because someone else followed you. Like, what? The modern mind has been so pampered. So pampered. And it's resulted in so many believing that they deserve pleasure without sacrifice. 
And like I said earlier, we need the sacrifice. We need suffering. We need discomfort. We call ourselves quote-unquote successful without any real evidence or experience. Not because we feel like we are that, but because we feel like that's how we must be to be accepted. Our world only broadcasts the extraordinary. So even if we don't feel extraordinary, even if we don't have the credentials or the experience to prove that we're extraordinary, we're going to tell everybody that we are. We're going to try to act like we are. Because, and then even if, vice versa, even if you are extraordinary and you get, you don't have a bunch of attention, like that's not going to change anything. You could get a bunch of attention and that's, it doesn't make you extra successful. Like it just kind of, yeah, it just means you have more attention. If your goal is to get attention, then yeah, technically that's success if you're, you get the attention, but you, you know what I mean. On page 202, Manson wrote, You are already great because in the face of endless confusion and certain death, you continue to choose what to give a fuck about and what not to. This mere fact, this simple optioning for your own values in life already makes you beautiful, already makes you successful, and already makes you loved. So, I want to leave you guys with the last few uh, little things. I'm going to die. You're going to die. We're all going to die. And it's because we were fortunate enough to have lived. We're going to die because we're alive right now. That's what that means. Yeah, death is coming, but it's coming because we're full of life right now you can't have death without life and birth right the last quote I want to read you guys from this book page 203 Manson wrote the more I peer into the darkness the brighter life gets the quieter the world becomes and the less unconscious resistance I feel to well anything So I just want to remind you guys, you are alive, you are here, I'm grateful for that, that you are here, I'm grateful that I'm here, and I know things aren't always easy, but then again, does anybody have it easy? No. The universe is not obligated to make sense to us. It's not obligated to be easy. You're here, and that is enough. That is a blessing in itself. That is important. And it's temporary, yes. But all that means is you need to get up off your couch because this episode is over. Go outside. Go, I don't know, kiss a worm or something. Kiss a frog. I don't know what you guys do these days. And just just do something that's going to make you happy. Just try to be in the moment. I want to thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. It really does mean the world to me, to each and every single person that listens to these episodes. 
I really do think I have some, you know, some insight, some some tips and some tips and tricks and life hacks. Um I think I've I think I can, you know, provide some useful information. So thank you for giving me your attention and your support. I feel it and yeah, I'm grateful. You guys can follow me uh, on Instagram. It's Chloe.Vetter, C-H-L-O-E dot V as in Violet, E-T-T-E-R. You can follow me. You can message me any topic ideas, any, you know, requests that you want to hear, any questions, whatever you want to talk about. I love constructive criticism, so give it to me. Make sure to follow this podcast, rate it five stars, send it to a friend who might benefit from this. Whether it's this episode or the podcast as a whole, you should just send them it. You know, see what happens. And I think that's all I have. So without further ado, I hope you all have a beautiful day. If not, the sun will rise and we will try again. Thank you guys. I will see you all next Friday for another episode. Thanks, Mark Manson. You're definitely not listening to this, but your book's pretty cool. So thanks. All right. Goodbye.